Action Network Podcast. 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 If you are even remotely a savage, you'll run these people over in a second. Oh! Welcome into the Action Network podcast. We are presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Your host, Brendan Glasheen, joined today by our usual UFC betting preview crew, Sean Zarillo and Billy Ward. In this episode, we are breaking down UFC 287 goes down this weekend in Miami, Florida. Eight prelims, five fights on the main card. We'll look at favorite underdogs, props, and more. And then we'll finish up with uh, with best bets. We also preview two events. We'll start with the main event, Israel Asadanya taking on Alex Pereira uh, this coming weekend. Pereira, a slight money line underdog. Gents, really uh, interested in this one. Pereira's got a lot of momentum, uh, Zarillo, coming in. Uh, again, not just a slight underdog in this matchup, but they've met before in the kick, kickboxing world, and Adesanya has been not shy to uh, discuss that he may need to uh, lay a couple of hammers here, but it, it feels Pereira's power is something that really jumps out to you. Preview of the fight and how you want to bet it. Yeah, so they fought last uh, on a UFC pay-per-view, and Izzy was up 3-1 headed into the fifth round, and Pereira was told to go get a knockout, and he did it. He was pressuring for the vast majority of that fight. That was their third fight in combat sports, first in MMA. They fought twice in kickboxing. Izzy, also in their last kickboxing fight, was winning on minutes and then was knocked out late in the fight. He had also, in both fights, stunned Pereira very badly at one point. Uh, in kickboxing, got a standing eight count. If it had been MMA, he would have been able to finish him. In the first round of their last fight, Pereira was actually winning minutes, and then Izzy stunned him with 10 seconds to go, and if that round had been 20 seconds longer, Izzy probably finishes the fight. So when Izzy has gotten his big moments against Alex has actually been unfortunate timing, but he has won the vast majority of the minutes in their combat sports, in their striking. That said, I've seen some takes where people are saying that Izzy is minus 300 in a minute winning match. You know, if it goes to decision that Izzy should be minus 300 on minute winning, I could not disagree more with that take. Um, Just watching the last fight back, you know, the size advantage that Alex has, he looks like a light heavyweight. He hits harder, clearly. And he was the first person I've seen who was willing to kick with Izzy, kick for kick. Izzy actually said the reason why his movement slowed down so much in that fight was because Alex was hitting his peroneal nerve and kind of killed his lead leg, forcing him to switch stances and whatnot. The first round, I thought Pereira was winning until the final 10 seconds. They had two other 50-50 striking rounds in that fight. Izzy dominated the round where he decided to grapple. And then Alex dominated the fifth round, ultimately, when he got the knockout. So I don't see where the minute winning was so dominant for Izzy in that matchup. Um, he led on strikes in most of the rounds, but Alex controlled the distance and he controlled the pace. He pressured Izzy into the corner repeatedly. And the distance where he ultimately got that knockout was the distance where a lot of that fight took place, where he was throwing his left hook with Izzy's back against the cage and it as he was using a lot of head movement and dodging it, but ultimately it landed and it felt like it was going to land the whole fight. Even watching it live. It's not, this is not me saying in hindsight, it felt like it was going to land the whole fight. I legitimately thought watching it live, it was going to land the whole fight. 
His line has dropped from plus 180, now down closer to even money. Yep. I like him still here at this price. Uh, he has more finishing upside. I would say Izzy retains the grappling upside and probably is the slightly better minute winner, but I don't think he's minus 300 on the minute winning. So Alex on the money line, plus 115. That's my price target. Alex by knockout or inside the distance down to plus 190, I think is fine as well. Um, just given how this played out last time, the you know, the mental aspect too, I don't want to go too deep into it. I'm not a narrative guy, but just like watching the lead up to this fight, Alex is literally sitting in Glover Teixeira's living room watching movies with his full UFC kit on. This guy lives and breathes being a UFC fighter. Is he still doing like the quoting, you know, movies stuff leading up to his fights? Yep. He kind of looks like the guy who's not buying his own hype anymore. I don't want to get too into the narrative and the mental aspect because that's not how I handicap fights. But I mean, in terms of focus, uh, Alex Pereira is one of the scariest human beings I've ever seen on the planet. I'll do what you do. Oftentimes is when you do payoff pitch or baseball betting podcast at Action Network, you'll you'll use a comp of the the early round. You know, might jump in and then make a money line pick on a team if if a pitcher that you wanted to uh, back is now out of the game, et cetera, et cetera. Well, pitchers do the same crap when they do the post game press conference and they try to tell themselves, yeah, you know, really tough conditions today. Uh, you're tipping your pitches and they the, the the narrative. So I'll I'll do the I'll do what you do, Zarillo, except the narrative part. Um, yeah, Adesanya with some, uh, some, some zingers this week. Some one, he's, some yeah, one he's line. trying to quote like Eminem's eight mile, like you only got one shot, and it's like, bro, this is your fourth. I mean, you have one shot to beat him for the fourth time, you, you have one shot to fight him and beat him. Otherwise, nobody ever wants to see this fight again, so sure, but it's it's getting old. Uh, but I mean, just Alex is Alex is terrifying, like he's watching Disney movies in a full UFC kit on a couch, he's what? he's different. If you look at the markets on FanDuel for this fight, what round will the fight end? Plus 460, round one is the shortest number, and that would be an edge based on the money line uh, number. Just just talking how the the market's set up, that would give Israel um, a nod based on his his style and how it's worked for him. But, uh, Billy, you've got your luck ratings up. We'll dive into those more when we get to the, uh, the other fight that we want to highlight tonight. But uh, um, it, it seems... To, this run that Pereira's on, you're with Zarillo. You want to back Pereira and how he's looked as of late. Yeah, I mean, first thing, do you guys not watch Disney movies on your couch in full fight gear? Or is that <laughs> We're all doing that. Coming up next, it's back-to-back -back episodes of Lizzie McGuire, right here on Disney Channel. That's how I uh, study tape for these. I'm trying to think of, like, Mulan is a good one, you know, and they all get, like, hype and that, uh, that, and that, uh, when, when Mulan's training, so I, um, I, I mean, Maui would have been a UFC heavyweight champion. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, you've got Moana in there. Yeah, there's there's oh, definitely Moana, some UFC champs amongst the Disney cast. Absolutely. But no, I mean, you know, Sean brought it up as a narrative, but I think there's something to it. He's living with a high level grappler in Glover Teixeira. They brought in Jalton Almeida, who's tearing it up at heavyweight. First of all, uh, Pahea makes him look tiny, despite being, in theory, two weight classes smaller. So he's bringing in these high-level guys. They're, like, grappling in the living room. And, like, he's he's really living and breathing that grappling and wrestling aspect of it right now, which I think is a really underutilized – or under – point that we're not talking about well enough here. Because he got a takedown on Adesanya in their first fight. I actually wouldn't be shocked if Pahea looks to use his size and a little bit of that wrestling – he can steal some minutes that way. He can also tire out Adesanya trying to get a much bigger guy off him. But other than that, the, the thing that stands out to me is this is weirdly similar to the Usman Edwards pay-per-view we just had, where we had a long-reigning champion, you know, was winning the fight until he didn't against a past rival, 
And then all of a sudden the guy who won the last fight is a big underdog coming in. But, you know, underdogs who won the last fight in rematches are better than 500 straight up on the money line. We're getting plus money on Paya. I'm with Sean. I'm also going to play the inside the distance. Five rounds is a long time for a guy like that with so much power. Adesanya pretty much needs to win this fight for 25 minutes where Paheya just needs to win, you know, a 10-second exchange where he lands the bigger punch. So from a betting standpoint, totally with Sean. Kind of surprised that he just keeps beating this guy and just keeps beat coming in as an underdog. Like, how many times does he have to do it before he gets favorite in the market? But it's not this time, so I'm going to take advantage of it. If you do subscribe to Disney Plus, you will not see this uh, quote from Adesanya, which was, what if I butcher him? What if I beat the fuck out of him? So uh, you can't get that. Not Disney Plus, that's for sure. Okay, moving on. The Disney jokes are over. Uh, Let's go to our favorite underdogs uh, on the card. Again, we've got eight uh, prelims and then five on the main card. Zerillo, where are you seeing value? Yeah, Billy and I talked a bunch about this fight offline, and I think we both agree that uh, Raul Rosas is going to be able to take down Christian Rodriguez. We disagree as to what is going to happen after that. So Rodriguez does tend to give up takedowns and give his back as he's standing. And Rosas, from that point, may be able to lock in a body triangle, finish him from there, or at least get some dominant positional control with a body triangle. I tend to think that Rodriguez is elite at escaping from those positions. He's very good at scrambling. He has a high school wrestling background. Uh, I believe he might have won a state championship at one point. But he's been training MMA since he was 14. Rosas gets all this hype as this, you know, teen prodigy getting into the UFC, and he's great for his age. I'm not sure if he is a future champion like some people are calling for because I think his striking is very raw and underdeveloped. And Rodriguez has a clear striking edge in this match. Billy and I talk about all the time, the three aspects of MMA, striking, grappling, wrestling. I think Rodriguez has a bigger advantage in the striking than Rosas has in the grappling or the wrestling. Billy would probably disagree with that, but that's perfectly fine, and that's where we disagree on the handicap for the fight. But if Rodriguez is able to keep the fight on the feet, or if he's able to get on his feet for at least one minute out of each round and land the more impactful strikes, he can absolutely win this fight, because Rosas isn't a particularly big damage guy in the ground. He tends to control people or look for submissions, but he's not the most threatening fighter, even with his control time, So this could be a fight where Rosas racks up 10 minutes of control, three minutes in each round. But Rodriguez in the two minutes, minute and a half, where it's on the feet for each round, lands the more impactful strikes and takes a decision. I also give him more finishing upside on the feet. Um, I don't really see him as a guy who is going to get submitted quite easily either. So you look at the way Rodriguez's coaches talk about him. He's I I think I said he's been training MMA since he was 14. They call him a prodigy in their own gym. He's 25 years old. More in his physical prime than Rosas is. I just think this is going to be a really good and competitive fight. I totally see the takes that Billy is going to give later with regards to Rosas's grappling upside, but I think Rodriguez is going to do a bit better defensively there than Rosas will on the feet. I could not find if he was a state champion in uh, wrestling in high school. I was looking. Yeah, I, I'd, heard, I'd seen some people say that, but I, you know, it's it's more about the fact that he's been training MMA for eleven years. It's not a guy who you know came into the gym at eighteen. He's been training since he was fourteen. They love him. Duke Rufus loves him in this gym. They call him a prodigy there. So you have a couple of prodigies matched up in the first fight on this main card but everybody gives Rosas the hype. I don't think many people are aware of Christian Rodriguez, how talented this guy is in his own gym. Fought JSP at a high pace, a guy who puts a high wrestling pace on him, and he was still close to finishing JSP in the third round. So he's going to be able to 
fight through adversity, keep going and be dangerous throughout the fight. That's the kind of guy I want to bet at plus 210. All right. Very well-rounded, and, and this is a, a test. We'll see if he's up for it. Billy, where are you uh, finding value in the under uh, for an underdog this week? Yeah, I'm going to give my full rebuttal on the Raul Rosas fight a little bit later on, but for my underdog, I'm looking at a fight that both Sean and I agree on. Steve Garcia, he's about, I think we got him at one plus 155, somewhere in there, depending on where you look. He's fighting Shylin, Nerd, and Becky, and this is another one of those two out of the three things. I think Garcia kind of has clearly better striking here, or at least in terms of being a finisher. He's finished both of his UFC wins by knockout. Nerd and Becky's only finish in the UFC was that weird fight against Derek Minner where Minner was clearly hurt and you know, there's the whole betting scandal. That's the only finish we've seen from Nuard and Becky. Other than that, he's just won decisions. I also think Garcia has the better wrestling here. I'm not as confident in that take. Nuard and Becky has more takedowns per minute in the UFC, but he's fought a lower level of competition, at least in terms of grapplers than Garcia. So this is a fight I'd make it much closer to a pick'em. Plus one fifty five, plus one sixty range on Garcia is more than enough for me. All right, moving on to uh, the fight of the night that the guys are targeting, Gilbert Burns, Jorge Masvidal. Uh, well, Billy, I want to go to you first on this one because you've got your article up uh, on ActionNetwork.com, the Action Network app. You actually find Masvidal to be undervalued, and he's at plus 360 for uh, this particular fight. Really fascinating because you look at the, the grappling here, and there might be a, a case to be made when you uh, break this one down, that Masvidal might be more of an underrated grappler. We know that the grappling and, and Burns has, checks a lot of boxes, but what, why do you feel Masvidal might uh, have some some value here? Yeah, this is a tough one. I, I don't think he's going to win. You know, if we're, if we're betting even money on this, there's no chance I would take Masvidal. But this is kind of just a disrespectful line. You know, Sean's going to talk about Masvidal's underrated grappling defense with his pick, and that's playing into mine too. Mine's more of a prop stop prop squad style pick but plus 700 on a knockout line for a guy who pretty much only wins by a knockout is a real good price burns has also shown a little bit of issues with his chin in the past you know he's not a guy i'd say has a glass chin by any stretch but he got knocked out at lightweight before he came up to welterweight got knocked out by usman which no shame in that but usman doesn't knock a ton of people out so for him to get knocked out by what tapology calls a power jab is not a great sign so <laughs> you know masvidal has has a better than average puncher's chance here. You can get the knockout at plus 700. I think if it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen earlier rather than later. So if you even wanted to take a round one, round two, that's that's an option. I'm not getting that specific just because plus 700 is juicy enough for me. But yeah, underrated grappling defense. He's not going to try to grapple offensively. And he can you know swing his hands for a few minutes here and there in between takedowns. If he lands one, plus 700 is a great price. And on the other side, Burns is is developing Zerillo as a, a knockout guy, making a, a case here for the welterweight title bid if he continues at this uh, particular pace. Um, Masvidal is difficult to submit. When you weigh all that in, how do you want to uh, bet this one? Yeah, I like Masvidal to survive here. It's, it's funny. I had to check that power jab uh, thing on tapology. It, it does say power jab to ground and pound, which I've never seen listed for a knockout before, but... It goes to show you, uh, I mean, an Usman hits hard. He knocked out both of these guys, technically, but he knocked out Masvidal cold. He put Burns down with a jab. And I don't love the chins for either of these guys. Actually, I would say I'm more, I'm more likely to think that Masvidal gets knocked out than submitted in this fight, which I don't think would be the take that most people would have. I would assume the odds completely disagree with that as well. 
Masvidal in his last fight against Colby got put up against the fence a lot. I think that's where Burns is going to try to put a lot of this fight. I would expect to see a fight similar to the first Usman Masvidal fight or to the Burns Wonderboy fight where Burns is just trying to suffocate him up against the fence for the vast majority of it. Basically try to get him down and sit in his lap and control him. Masvidal's great submission defense. He has really good takedown defense historically, but he's also 38 and he's nowhere near his physical prime. If this was Masvidal five years ago, I would probably bet him here easily at plus 400, like easily. Uh, but he's he's so late in his career. It seems like Burns is peaking again on the way to a title run. I, I just love how Burns has looked lately. But it there were moments in that Colby Covington fight where Colby was shooting for legs and then he would come up and he'd hit Jorge with a couple of shots. And there was one or two moments. I believe I had the fight to go to a decision or the over and a half, over four and a half. I thought Masvidal was going to go out. He was completely stunned from pillow fist Colby Burns hits way harder. So I think there's going to be a moment where Burns is switching levels up against the cage. Jorge goes to defend the takedown. Burns comes back up with a, a punch. And I think he might clip Jorge and put him down. If he doesn't get the takedowns, if he doesn't finish Jorge, I expect this one to go to a decision. I actually think Jorge's power, his power in his hands is a little bit overrated at 170. I know I'm not so trusting of Burns' durability, but he went through a full war with Hamzat. Uh, Maybe the chin is ready to crack, who knows? But I like the over here, two and a half plus 115. Burns via decision plus 170, made that closer to plus 150. I like Jorge's ability to defend grappling, Survive submission, survive submissions, defend the takedown attempts, maybe make this competitive. If he can keep this on the feet, he's going to be live at his price range and can absolutely win a split decision in Miami. That's not out of the question either. So over two and a half, certainly prefer to Burns' decision. You could get screwed on the scorecards, but yeah, I think Masvidal could do enough to survive. Plus money on the over rounds, over two and a half at plus 114 as we speak uh, at FanDuel Sportsbook. Okay, on to the prop market. Top props that you're eyeing, Sean Zarillo. Yeah, a couple of decision props. Rob Font via decision, Chris Curtis via decision, Font plus 285, Chris Curtis plus 240. Of the two, I prefer Font. Uh, my favorite fight of the card, Rob Font, Adrian Yanez. Yanez, one of my, maybe my favorite fighter in the UFC, honestly. Uh, just love how he fights. He talks about admiring guys like Marvin and Hagler going to war, putting on shows for the fans. He knows what it's about. But he's also this super respectful guy. He's not a trash talker. He's not trying to be fake. So Adrian Yan has a really easy guy to root for. He's very real, but he's also a really fun fighter and wants to put on a show for the fans. That said, all the guys he's beaten aren't in the UFC anymore. And this is a big step up in competition for him. Rob Font has fought five-round main events against the best in the division. Adrian is taking a step up here. And he's the favorite. I actually think if this price tag were flipped, I wouldn't have batted an eye at all. If Rob were minus 180 and Adrian was plus 160, it wouldn't have surprised me whatsoever. I think Font has more volume, more grappling upside. He also probably has the faster hands. He just has some durability concerns. He's 35, taking a ton of damage in his last two fights. Um... He actually, I believe, set a record for the most significant strikes landed relative to his opponent against Cheeto Vera, and he lost the fight because he got wobbled in every round. Font basically wins 90 to 95% of the minutes of his fights, but he gets wobbled at the wrong time once in each round and loses those rounds. So 
In terms of minute winning, how I would direct out a fight, especially with how Adrian starts, Adrian has that uh, Piotr Jan, uh, Cheeto Vera tendency to start slow, get his reads, and then pick up the pace. That's great for five-round fights, not great for three-round fights. So we've seen him get a lot of round two knockouts coming back on opponents. Maybe he can knock Font out. Font gets hurt, but he doesn't get knocked out. So 15-minute fight, Rob Font via decision plus 285. I'm not going to go into the whole Chris Curtis breakdown, but Chris Curtis via decision plus 240. He's a very versatile fighter. He can counterpunch. He can try to outpace you. I think he's going to try to outpace his opponent tomorrow. So Chris Curtis via decision plus 240. Font via decision plus 285. Expect both to have the striking volume edge if it goes 15 minutes. Billy, as you teased, you have some pushback uh, to Zerillo. You're backing Rosas in a, a certain fashion in the prop market. And as if you missed it a second ago, Zerillo did uh, back Christian Rodriguez as a money line underdog. Go ahead, Billy. What do you got? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna bet Rosas inside the distance at slight plus money, about plus one twenty. Now, this is not saying that you couldn't also take Sean's pick on Rodriguez uh money line, because I do think Rosas needs to win this one inside the distance. Sean made really good points. He doesn't do any damage on the ground. He's purely looking for submissions. With that said, we're basing that off things he's done, you know, before he turned 18 and a half. He could probably add to his game a little bit at this point in his life. But I still think that that habit is in there where he needs to finish one way or the other to get this done. I'm hoping he strikes a little bit more on the ground, but, you know, his submission skills are to a point where we don't really rely on it. The other thing Sean pointed out that, you know, Rodriguez has a wrestling base and is really good at escaping with a guy on his back. I don't think that's going to work against Rosas. You know, Rosas backpacked Mando Gutierrez around for 15 minutes in contender series fight. And Mando is a very high level grappler. I think we can all agree that wrestling is probably the best single base for MMA. If there's a flaw in it, it's that you tend to give your back. You know, wrestling, you don't want to be on your back. You want to be on your stomach because you don't get pinned. But that exposes your back a lot. And a guy with Rosas, who has great back control, long legs, works in body triangles, switches them really well. I don't think anyone can survive with him on his back for 15 minutes or the better part of 15 minutes. So I I just really think the UFC picked stylistically the best fighter they could with a reasonable record for Rosas here, because a guy who's willing to get taken down and willing to expose his back on the way back up is kind of tailor-made for what he likes to do and do well. The UFC obviously is trying to build up Rosas here a little bit more than Christian Rodriguez. That goes into it a little bit. I will say he probably needs to get it done inside the distance. So if you wanted to take both Sean and I's pick, you got plus money on both sides. That's a pretty good place to be. All right. Zerillo, any response to that? Are you good? No, I I think Billy gave a very reasonable breakdown. I I think we disagree. The fight, the fight hinges on those back takes and whether Rodriguez can escape from them. Cause I agree. They're going to be there. The question is, can Rosas lock him in? Can Rodriguez escape? So I think that's where the fight determines who wins. Okay, let's wrap up UFC 287 betting preview with best bets. Zerillo first, then we'll go to Billy. Yeah, this is not a card where I have like a best bet. This is the best of the rest. I'm going to echo Billy's thoughts on Steve Garcia here, plus 155. It's an it's a similar matchup, the dynamics with the, the Rosas fight in terms of Shaylin being the better takedown guy, getting more control, but not being a damage guy on the ground. He can go 15 minutes and land 15 to 25 strikes. He doesn't attempt any offense. So even if Garcia gets out-wrestled here, spends 12 minutes on his back, he might have a moment in each round where he steals it on the feet with damage. Um, And this is how fights get scored lately. I'm fine betting these underdogs now who I think can get controlled, but get up and land like one or two punches over the course of 
the three minutes that they're standing for the whole fight and steal a decision. Because if their opponent isn't going to do anything, them doing one thing may be enough to steal a round. So Steve Garcia, very reckless, bad chin, but has more power, better striker. Um, so it's a bit odd in that he's a glass cannon. I think he can finish his opponent. And normally I wouldn't think that his opponent would be able to finish somebody else with strikes, but Steve is so reckless and keeps his chin up that it will be there. So this could be a high variance fight where somebody just falls in the pocket over 15 minutes though. I think Garcia is very live to take a decision just based off of doing more and trying to do more. So Steve Garcia plus 155 on enthusiasm, not on skill. All right, Billy, take us home. What do you got? A best bet that's not a best bet. You know, I'm joking. No, for for once, and in disagreement with Zerl, I actually have one that I truly think is my best bet. And he teed it up perfectly, talking about enthusiasm over skill. Luana Pinheiro, I wrote her up in the luck ratings. I was shocked that we could get her at minus 165 last week when I wrote it up. Even more shocked that she's still minus 165 now. She's extremely aggressive. She just swarms with strikes. She's fighting Michelle Watterson, who does the opposite. Michelle Watterson tries to fight with as little fighting as possible. She looks like she's shadow boxing from a few feet away for most of her fights, which plays horribly to the judges. Now, normally fighters rushing in recklessly with strikes like that is a little bit dangerous because you expose yourself to takedowns. Here's why I like Pinheiro so much. World-class judo. You know, both of her fights so far in the UFC, she would rush in. If her opponent clinched, she tosses them on her head. No problem. That's all part of the plan. I think people are down on her a little bit because her last fight went the full 15 minutes against, you know, lesser quality competition. But that was good for her because she had won every single one of her other fights almost immediately, at least at a high level. Last point on this, she's 10-1. and Pinheiro is 10-1 and as a pro, only lost by split decision. Watterson is 1-4 and over the last four-ish years. Only win was a split decision. So in terms of being on the wrong side or right side of variance here, that's a pre- pretty clear picture as well. This one for sure actually is my best bet. All right, gents, good stuff. Again, you can find Billy Ward's UFC 287 luck rankings, luck ratings, pardon me, summer rank. I guess summer rank, ranking. I go ratings. back and forth. Yeah, it, it, they both really work. It's kind of the same thing, really. Uh, you can find that actionnetwork.com, Action Network app, a lot of undervalued fighters. Uh, and so there's some edges to be found, according to Billy. You can find these guys in the Action app, Sean Zarello, Billy Ward. Be sure to uh, track them in the app if they have any late ads uh, to their betting card for Saturday. Enjoy the fight, everybody. That concludes our UFC 287 betting preview here on the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm your host again, Brendan Glass-Sheen. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We will join you again next week on the Action Network podcast. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.